Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Previously on Too Many Cooks. It takes a lot to make a stew. A pinch of salt and laughter too. A scoop of kids to add the spice. A dash of love to make it nice. And you've got too many cooks. Too many cooks. Cousins under pressure gets to the way to Cook. Cook gets away from Lee. And Cook inside the 30. Tough, tough running with a flag down. Too many cooks. Sideline staying inbounds all the way down to close to the 30 yard line. Dalvin Cook. Too many cooks. And they give it to the main man, and that's Cook, and he takes it in on a fourth and goal on the final play. He has been doing this all season long. How about them Cowboys indeed? The Cowboys are coming off the bye looking to get back on the right track, and the Red Rocket is returning. But they're heading up north to Skull Country to face the streaking Vikings. Can the Cowboys do it? We're previewing it all on this episode of About Them Cowboys. So welcome in. I'm Kent Garrison, producing and reminding you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And also, join us over at The Athletic. We've got NBA draft coverage popping off over there. So sign up now for only a dollar at theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. But now let's welcome in our panel. First, the godfather of all things cowboys at the athletic, Father John Mashoda, the biggest Karen Filippelli fan ever, Saad Youssef, and the honorary fifth member of the killers, Kevin KT Turner. Welcome back, gents. And uh, KT. Did you take a little vacation over the uh, over the bye, or uh, were you locked in on the Packers? What was going on there? Uh, pretty much just uh, stayed at home and uh, you know cleaned my little apartment and watched a bunch of football, and then I used the time to start working on the draft. Oh, based on John Mashoda's poll that he posted on Twitter, that's where most Cowboy fans' uh, mind is right now. Anyways, John, were you shocked to see the results of your Twitter poll? Yeah, hey, I was shocked. I was shocked that uh, there were thirty percent of people that said that they they think that they should go to try and win the NFC East. I thought I thought I thought that would be like clo- like closer to like ten percent. I thought it'd be like ninety ten, uh, ninety being on the on the lose and get the best pick. But yeah, so we're at about a little over six thousand votes, and it's seventy percent lose and get the best pick. But then there's that thirty percent still fighting. You know, winning's the name of the game. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Like, they could win the NFC East, but what good does that do, to be honest? I mean, good camaraderie going into the offseason. Build, yeah, build nice good high, character. High spirits. Mojo! Right, Mojo. Yeah, yeah, but if that right. leads to your team sucking, I mean, I know, like, like I'm not saying they're going to tank or anything like that. That's ridiculous. 
But at the same yeah. time, I don't think winning games is good for this team. You know, I mean, to be quite honest with you, it doesn't. Get, it literally doesn't do any good right now, unless they win the Super Bowl. I mean, they they go on a run, they shock some people. Who knows? I can't say it, it doesn't do any good for you because with a new coaching staff, I think. Just think about what it would take for them to get there. They're yeah, gonna they would have to win at least three, four more games. And if that was the case, then at least you get I feel like you'd get even more buy in from the players that hey, like, you know what, if we didn't have those bumps in the road early on, you know, maybe we would have been a better team and, and you know, at least we got this that we can kind of hang our hat on that we finished it the right way as opposed to like going into the offseason the, with the feeling that we all pretty much think that they're you're gonna totally have right. it at four and twelve where you're just kinda like, man. What were we even doing? Like, is this sure. the right coaching right. staff? Like, what are we doing out here? You know, so you're right. You're right. There are some positives. I take that back. I take that back because I do want them to win going into the offseason so that they can maybe land some free agents and people actually want to sign here and stay here and things like that. Um, so, yeah, maybe let's end on a high note. How about that? How about we win four games, but we win the last two? There, there we go. I was told by a friend <laughs> and, a, and a listener of this show that I've been too negative lately. So I'm going to try and put a positive <laughs> spin on things, okay? <laughs> I mean, dude, I would love to host a playoff game, but I, I'm dying for a division winner at four wins. I think that's an incredible story, or five wins. And I'll say this, what we never talk about, even though we all know it, door three and that option, and, and John's poll on Twitter, at John Mashoda was, Cowboys fans, what do you want most, to win the division or to lose every game and tank? And it was 70% tank, 30% win last time I saw. That that third door that you didn't add on your poll is they win some games but don't win the division. And that, to me, is the most likely outcome. Just getting a vibe from the last two weeks when the effort was there, which is fine. I want the effort, you know. I feel like this is a team that does go win two or three games, and they do just get to the cusp of winning the division but don't do it. Like, I just think that's where they end up. And that's the worst thing you could do. Picking 10th or 9th. You think while... they'll get that far, though? I honestly think with only two more wins, I, I still think they're going to be around five or six. I don't think you go all the way to 10 with, with four wins. I'm telling you, I went back and looked at the last three or four drafts. Yeah. Four wins get you probably in the top five most years. Maybe this year it slips a little bit, but I don't think it'll drop them all the way back to 10. Three win, three wins might though. Three wins. Well, might. Yeah, what happens the rest of the NFC East? What happens with Washington and New York? Because well, no, they're up they there could, for sure. But I mean, you be, also got they could jump you in one week. I mean, if all those records are basically the same in week sixteen, right? But that's who you're basically competing with. Like we already yeah. are factoring okay, them in so you as can't being jump like seven two as five. You might jump like four. Yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. also remember the Eagles' schedule coming up is absolutely brutal. I mean, it is. Yeah, they, they have like Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, and Arizona. Uh, just in the la- in the next few games before they play the Cowboys, so I mean I I don't know like I, I it, it's going to be a really weird situation going on there in the NFC East. It it is wild, and you know there's also uh, one of those teams too that has two wins, Cincinnati that you will play down the road. So you're right, John. There will be like some some teams beating up on each other, um, but I do think that's the most likely scenario. Win a couple and. You know, not win the division. Now we do have the Vikings uh, this week, three twenty-five kickoff at AT and T Stadium, and looks like we're going back to the old Red Rifle. Um, Andy Dalton making his return. Now it's very hard to know uh, because the Cowboys have been so secretive about everything about like what their specific plans are. But um, it feels like Andy Dalton will be your starting quarterback. I'm not going to say I have a problem with it. I I think I would have probably gone one more week of Garrett Gilbert 
just to see. And that's more based on the sheer fact of give Garrett Gilbert a bye week to prepare. Let's see what he can do. And if it's bad, you're preparing Andy Dalton as well. And if it's bad, you can you can yank Garrett Gilbert early. But to me, Garrett Gilbert's more likely to be on this team next year than Andy Dalton. So that's what I would do. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? Let's start with you, John. Well, I think that they're still trying to win games. They're still trying to win the NFC East, yeah. and, and Andy Dalton gives them the best chance to do that. So while the Garrett Gilbert against the Steelers was a good story, and I agree with you, he he's way, way better chance of being on the team next year than Andy Dalton. I look at Andy Dalton as he's he gives them the best chance to win. And for all the injuries they've had, their deepest position, wide receiver, they've stayed healthy at. And so they have all those weapons there. Ezekiel uh, Elliott's dealing with a hamstring, which he said today – he feels better than he did going into the Pittsburgh game before the bye, so that's obviously a good sign. He w- didn't do much during the portion of practice that was open to reporters. He was kind of just stretching and doing some resistant cord stuff, but he's relatively healthy. Pollard's relatively healthy, so uh, it seems like you're getting some continuity a little bit on the on the offensive line. It's obviously not going to be the offensive line with like you know Tyron and, and Lyle and those guys, but for what they have. Uh, I just think Dalton gives you the best chance to win. So, and that's what they're trying to do. That the way Demarcus Lawrence talked today, I mean, he was just like, I couldn't believe like how confident he was saying he was just reiterating how he thinks, reiterating how he thinks they're such a good team and that they just they've lost games, but they're still a good team. So, I don't get the sense from the players that they're trying to tank. So, while the fans want it for the higher pick, they're trying to win games, and if they're trying to win games, Andy Dalton's your best bet at quarterback. Yeah, ditto everything that John said. But the one thing that I'll be interested to in seeing is how how much shorter did the leash for Andy Dalton get? Um, even even if you're trying to win games, because Garrett Gilbert came really close to winning the game. The last we saw of Andy Dalton, he again a lot of situations, a lot of circumstances outside of his control um, with the offensive line and everything. But Andy Dalton wasn't exactly giving you the best chance to win there um, when he was playing. So. I think it'll be interesting to see how 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 much shorter the leash got for Andy Dalton just because of the last week. So a couple key things on that point, and and it's just that. Well, one Zach he didn't really have Zach Martin for either of those games because in the first one he started Zach Martin got the concussion early on and didn't play most of that game, and then he didn't play against Washington when Andy Dalton started that second game, and that really got things out of control. And then the other one was just like the run defense is way different now than it was in those two games. Like their defense wasn't even giving them a chance in those two games against Washington and, and, and Arizona. And so, you know, Cheeto Ouzier said today that he thinks one of the big moves that helped in that is that Antoine Woods is, is in the starting lineup and he's playing a lot more in the middle as kind of their run stuffing D tackle, replacing Don Terry Poe, who they obviously released. So I think the defense is playing better with the current personnel and so I think they'll give him some better chances there. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that how Garrett Gilbert played against the Steelers, um, I, I don't think that would have been enough to even come close for them winning against Washington or Arizona, Arizona either. There just was not. Those were two games yeah. where you questioned effort. And so as long as there's effort, those games would at least been somewhat close. And then the other thing I go with with Andy Dalton is, you know, he had to lead them in a comeback against New York, you know, after Dak got hurt. And he, he made some pretty solid throws in that game to get him back at least in the field goal range to win that game. So it's not like it's all been negative. Now I'll tell you right now, yeah. I don't think Andy Dalton's lived up to the expectations of what I thought he would be, but I don't know that we can, these games have all been so different. I don't know that we can go apples to apples on all of them. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause you do forget those throws to Gallup in that giants game, just because it's been a while and there's been a lot that's happened with the team since then. So I'm glad you brought that up. 
you know, I think you know Andy Dalton to me, and I know it was a bad team in Cincinnati, but he's coming off three years of having double-digit interceptions and things like that, been kind of turnover prone. Um, uh, I, I, if they and they they were very clear about this from the beginning. Stephen was asked about it. I know on one of his interviews on the fan early on, it's like we're of course going back to Andy Dalton, but it is nice to have Garrett Gilbert there and know that you could be developing him as your backup quarterback next year. Meanwhile, you still try to develop Danucci, and unless they've already, you know, unless they're already thinking about uh, getting rid of that, <laughs> but I'm sure they're going to continue to try to move towards the future and develop him and things like that. But you know, the truth is you're kind of boned either way unless you have Dak Prescott. So um, now are we going to get Cheeto Awuzie back this week? To me, he's the most highly anticipated player that I want to see on the field for them. Yeah, he said he's good to go. Uh, I let's thought he was going to be back before the bye, but I think that because of the bye week, they were like, let's give him a little bit of extra time. But yeah, he's been a full go in practice. He said the hamstring feels good. So yeah, I expect him to be starting on Sunday, which they obviously need. With the loss of Trayvon Diggs, I mean, Wuzier is the only other guy that's got an interception on this team, and heck, he's motivated to get back out there. He's missed the last seven games, and he's a guy that this is a contract year for him. You know that, that I, I feel like this draft coming up could very much look like the 2017 draft in a sense that not only is it very defensive heavy at the top, but in that 2017 draft, you know, that's the one where they took Cheeto in the second round, Jordan Lewis in the third, Xavier Woods in the sixth, and I could see this this draft coming up them addressing defensive back quite a bit and just kind of moving on from those DBs and moving into a new younger group of guys. So uh, there's, there's plenty for Cheeto to play for. Yeah. I think there's plenty of hit for him to play for. And the fact that, you know, it's not necessarily that, you know, he's, he's even playing just to stay on the Cowboys, even if they've already, you know, made up their mind, he's he, there's, he still has to put on tape. Um, if he wants another job around the NFL, there are other teams watching right now as he, as he plays for Dallas. So I think, you know, whether whether it's the Cowboys re-signing him, they decide they want to go in a completely different direction the way uh, John's mentioning, even if that's the case, I mean, that's you're still trying to make some money in free agency regardless. So I think it's going to be big for him to play well. Between Cheeto, Jordan Lewis, and Xavier Woods, which one of those three do you think is most likely to be here next year? That's a really good question. I... Uh... I think I would go with Cheeto. It all depends on what they're looking to make. If 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 they're all looking to, hey, I kind of like this situation. I want to stay in Dallas. They're willing to take, let's say, all three are team-friendly deals. I think Cheeto I would lean on. Um, but it's tough because I think Xavier Woods could be in the mix too just because of the fact of if he's willing to take a team-friendly deal, we've seen that they don't really like investing much in safety. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just get the feeling that, they're ready to go in another direction at defensive back. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's a good chance that all three of them are gone, but I would think between Cheeto and Xavier Woods would be who could potentially be back. But it all comes down, like I said, to contracts. If one of those guys is willing to take some type of a team-friendly deal to just stay here in the mix, I mean, they certainly would, would, would still be in play. But I don't think that bringing back any of them would stop me if I have a top you know, eight pick of taking – Patrick Sertain. Yeah, and I, and I think I think Jordan Lewis is the one that's that that I think unless he has some crazy surge at the end, he's the most likely guy to be out. And you know, you go back to Anthony Brown's extension last year. Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis were kind of you know it was going to be it felt like it was going to be one or the other, and they picked Anthony Brown. I think Xavier Woods has the advantage where you know in safety you can have different roles in playing safety. We kind of saw that with Jeff Heath 
as a depth guy and things like that. So even if they do upgrade at safety, I could see Xavier Woods still having a role. But, uh, I, you know, it's like John said, I think it's between Xavier Woods and Cheeto. I think Jordan Lewis is pretty much out. Yeah, I feel like the Jordan Lewis thing all along felt a little strange because we'd heard a lot about you know, thresholds that Will McClay had at the cornerback position. But it's one of those things where you get to round three and Jordan Lewis had slipped a little bit. He was an excellent cover guy in college, but he had slipped a little bit just because, you know, he had an off-the-field thing that was, uh, you know, just an allegation, but it was still lingering over his head a little bit. Uh, so there's a few things that were there. Almost maybe they maybe they thought the value was too good to pass up in round three. Because I don't know if from, uh, you know, if you were drawing up an athlete, he's not exactly what I think this organization was looking for. I think they were looking for the taller six foot and longer type guys like Byron. Um, and I, I don't want to go into this now because we'll have a, you know, all off season, but I will say this over the last uh, few days, I've gotten to dive in on two cornerback prospects at the top of the draft. One is Caleb Farley from Virginia tech. And one is Patrick Sertain, uh, the second, the son of former cornerback Patrick Sertain um, and from Alabama. Uh, both guys, six, two, both guys kind of 205, 210. Both guys very sturdy figures. And I think about what they took with uh, when they drafted Trevon Diggs. One thing that jumped out about Trevon Diggs is he's 6'1 and he's built well. And it, you see him be physical in the run game. Both of these guys are like that. They're not getting pushed around out there. Um, and the ball skills are very evident with Trevon Diggs as well. Same with these guys. The ball skills are there. Um, so, you know, if the Cowboys were to go that direction early in round one, I know it's way early to be talking about this. They will have, you know, some options of guys who you could, uh, you know, move in and, and slot as your cornerback two, uh, you know, while Trevon Diggs will probably be your cornerback one next year. You know what else factors into the previous thing that you were talking about with, with Cheeto and Xavier Woods and Jordan Lewis too, is the fact of what do they have in Reggie Robinson? And the reason why I say it is because he fits yeah. everything that you just said. You know, he's got, he's 6'1", maybe even a little bit taller than that. Had the production last year at Tulsa, had the four interceptions, and we've literally seen none of him. All we see is in training camp, him play almost no corner, very little. And then all of a sudden they say, hey, they're moving him to safety. And then you really don't see him out there at safety in practice. And then now you get in the games and it's not like they're loaded at the safety position. Like you're like, okay, so put him out there. At, you know, see what you have there. So if he's that far away from contributing on Sundays, then maybe maybe they're a little bit more likely to keep one of those other veteran DBs. Because the way they talked about Reggie Robinson being a fourth round pick last year, or this year, this year, sorry. I mean, Will McClay said that was his pet cat out of this entire draft class. I mean, he loves Reggie Robinson. And so, you know, obviously there's one thing with the scouting department really liking a guy and then another with the coaching staff. And obviously that all has to kind of meld together. And so they got to put them obviously in the right place to be productive, but just where they're at right now as a team being the same Cowboys we've seen year after year after year, not causing any takeaways. It's just been very interesting to me that we just not even, not even a little bit of, of Reggie Robinson for us to see. Yeah. And look, I was uh, one of Reggie Robinson's biggest fans. I have a, a second round grade on him, which, you know, was pretty high. I think if you looked at a lot of the uh, draft experts, you know, around the league, but I just thought he played excellent and the competition, maybe not always great at Tulsa, but everything you wanted in a, in a good long cornerback, he kind of gave it to you. And I was very discouraged early on in training camp when they're having the discussions of moving him to safety. I thought that was a terrible idea. 
Um, the same way I always thought moving Byron Jones to safety was a terrible idea. He had excellent college tape at cornerback. Um, and he did have a few things that would make you like sometimes get a little sloppy with his hip turns and sometimes get a little grabby every once in a while. He had a few things that would make you go, okay, we need to be, you know, developing some things. But the fact that he hasn't played and the fact that they've talked about changing his position frustrates the hell out of me because I truly think he's better than a Daryl Worley sight unseen. But Daryl Worley, go see him get a bunch of penalties the other day uh, it's, it's with the Bills. I was like, wait, the Bills picked up Daryl Worley? Why? And they're Arizona's, playing him a lot? No. Yeah. yeah, and Arizona's just picking on him the whole game. Like, oh, my God, how is he still in the league? But, yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up Reggie Robinson. I, I, I meant to bring him up today. That, that is something that – this is part of what we're doing now. Like, even though it's you're a It's one thing if he was a wide receiver because you'd be yeah. like, oh, well, they're real deep at wide receiver. Like, they're not deep at defensive back. Put him out there. Yeah, and put him out there now. And hopefully he will. Hopefully he'll play. And, dude, I feel the same way about Bradley and I. Like, I don't need Bradley and I being inactive right now. Let's go. I want to see what you got. We traded Everson Griffin for a reason. I need I need Bradley and I active. And he's been inactive for, well, really, reasons unknown. I mean, I know they got a certain amount of, of roster spots, but, you know. I don't think uh, he'd get much time, though, because, honestly, there, I think that yeah, they really like Randy right. Randy there. And, and they're really high on Dorrance Armstrong still. And then you have Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence. So I don't know. Maybe there just wouldn't be enough snaps there. So they give that other, you know, active roster spot to a guy that can help a little bit more in special teams. But now if there was an injury to one of those four guys I just mentioned, then I think you, you're forced to, you have to put Bradley and I on the active and he has to, he has to be able to contribute. But, you know, even before then, then they had Everson Griffin, like they've been relatively, relatively healthy, you know, and, and having bodies out on the field at those edge rusher spots. But no, he's another guy that if things start falling apart and, and, it, and it goes down the direction we think it's going to go, why wouldn't you see more Bradley and I in these last, in the last few games? The, real quick, I'm sorry to butt inside. So did you guys all watch Breaking Bad? Yes. Yes, sir. All right. There's a, there's a, this is the problem with the division being close and where a part of me would rather the Eagles be running away with it or whatever. Because in Breaking Bad, there's a couple instances where Mike, you know, goes and he goes, no more half measures, Walt. Walt, I'm serious. No more half measures. And this is what the Cowboys are doing. Because they're one game back, they're taking half measures. And half measures do not give you a true evaluation of what these players are. I need to see a full evaluation, but they will not admit that they're kind of doing a quick rebuild. And that's, it's not a full rebuild. No one's saying that. No one's saying tear it down. But the fact that you're not like, that is what's going to make people, that's what gets people frustrated. Now, again, I'm, I'm saying that and there's about 49% of me that's going, dude, what if Kirk Cousins throws them the ball a couple times and they play a little effort, maybe a little team defense like they played, and maybe Zeke breaks a run finally, or Tony Pollard has a couple explosive plays? You know, you know, there's there's still a part of me that's there, and I don't know if I deserve – like I don't know if this team deserves even that much faith in me. But that's the problem with the division being close when you are trying to have a, a miniature uh, a rebuild or a restart, if you will. The feeling that you're in it, well, that gives you reps to to guys like Alden Smith who, now, do you need to know? I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they're going to sign Alden Smith. Maybe they need to see the tape on him. I, I understand that. But I think Bradley and I and, and, and Reggie Robinson are on a team 
that in most situations you look at the division and you're out of it, they would be getting snaps. And here they're not going to get snaps because, quite frankly, the honest truth is this team is in it. Yeah, but also with Reggie Robinson, it's also a curious case where I'm like, you know, cornerback is such a is, is such a position where it, you know a lot of times you want it, it's kind of like quarterback in in the sense that you know you don't want to shoot a young kid's confidence, right? And so I wonder if the coaching staff, you know, just sees stuff that we don't see and feels like he's not even ready for it. Like you know, back in training camp, everybody not not everybody I'm talking about like outsiders, you know, you, they saw Haha Clinton Dix and was like, oh my gosh, okay, we have a safety. That's going to be filled out. And then he didn't even make it out of camp. And, you know, it's because of what the coaches are seeing in practices and things like that, that, you know, the the fans aren't seeing. And frankly, even the media this year isn't seeing. So I don't know if Reggie Robinson is just stinking it up that badly in practice to where they're like, you know what, we don't even want to go, you know, have a chance to where his confidence gets shot in games and before he's ready for it. No, that totally makes sense, and and uh, you know they're not going to tell us the answer on that. So yeah, you know this is again can't cover Noah Brown. Maybe maybe that's what they're seeing. Like if he's just getting torched in practice, like how's he going to hold up against you know real Justin Justin Jefferson or you know Adam Thielen, any of these guys that that are coming down the stretch? It's going to be tough. And and one thing that you know you can watch a guy's tape or whatever, and you can know what he can do on the field. Um, I use Laquan Treadwell as, as my example here. Is there were reports of Laquan Treadwell just never really figured out that Minnesota uh, offense. And he came from Ole Miss where you ran go routes and stop routes, and that's it. Like, you know, maybe Reggie Robinson was having uh, problems adjusting to the scheme. Maybe. I don't know. We're just hypothetically throwing, uh, throwing things out because it is quite a bit of a mystery. I, I don't like, too, though, how the talk of moving him to safety is just there. And we've heard Steven for years ago, well, of course, we know Cheeto can play some safety. And I'm like, do we know that Cheeto <laughs> can play safety? Well, like, he did oh, at Colorado weird... for a little bit. so but, like... Well, they treat safety like like anyone can do it. you know. They, and, and it shows. It shows. They act like a, safety's riding a bike. And they just ran away. Well, you know you what? think they should have uh, re-signed AFC Defensive Player of the Week, Jeff Heath, maybe? No. <laughs> Two interceptions, huh? <laughs> no, I don't think they think they knew what they had in Jeff Heath, but yeah, I mean, yeah, why does safety wild. continue to be a concern for this team? I mean, and here's the thing: like, I mean, there's no reason to think that all of a sudden that the the way they go about addressing the position is going to change significantly. Yeah, like, they're not it's going not. out there spending some money on free agent safeties. The yeah. f- safety, if they go out and get a free agent safety, you know what it's going to look like? Ha ha, Clinton Dix. And and my man from Boise State that they got the year before that. Uh, Darian Thompson. Na- Who would you say? No, no, Darian no. Keep Thompson. going. No, no, no. The year before that. Boise State. Darian. Come on. Who is it? This is. Oh my God. This is bothering me. Uh, yeah, this is going to bother me too. There was a safety that they signed in free agency two years oh, George ago. Georgia Oka. Georgia Oka. There you Georgia go. Georgia Oka. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. that's their like. Okay, so then we drafted one, and and after they or after they signed those guys, then they say. We've addressed the position, so we're not forced to draft anything. While we're sitting here going, "Yeah, that sounds good on paper," but go ahead and still draft a safety. <laughs> you guys still need some help at safety, and they really don't do that. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you got to go back to the last "quote unquote" significant investment. I would say is probably a third round pick on JJ Wilcox at safety, and unless you want to say Byron Jones, 
unless you're going to say Byron Jones was drafted as a safety, then you can say he was their last significant. But if you go before that, it's pretty much J.J. Wilcox. And I bring that up for the one reason why is because that's kind of where I put the bar this year. I don't see them drafting a safety before the third round. And, you know, and in talking to Dane, he said this isn't a – this is funny. There are two positions that they really don't draft very high. Safety yeah. and defensive tackle aren't great in this draft anyway. And so um, you could probably get the best safety in the draft – late in the first round, maybe even early in the second. At least that's what Dane's saying right now. Obviously, things can change, but there isn't that guy like a, you know, a Derwin James or somebody like that that you're taking in the top 15 or something. Yeah. So what happened uh, on on bye week? You know, McCarthy made some comments about, like, we're going to have – we're going to mix things up. We're going to have offensive coaches talk to the defensive players, defensive coaches talk to the offensive players. Do you have any insight on that? I know everything's pretty private up there, but uh, what's yes. your in- insight on that? So basically what it would be like is so you would have the DB coaches uh, would go work with the wide receivers. Wide receiver coaches would go work with the DBs. And what they would do or what they did do, sorry, is they went they did basically film breakdowns and broke down. Hey, if I was game planning against you guys, this is what I would do off of watching your tape. And so they broke it down so you can get it from a different perspective than you know just your same position coach and, and and the same players that you're watching film with and so it was just for a day this past week uh i guess mike mccarthy calls it across the hall and it's something that they've i guess did in green bay and, and he really liked the way it worked out and so uh yeah so it was the offensive coaches worked with the defensive so like offensive line coaches work with the defensive line defensive line coaches with the offensive line and basically went over tape and we're like hey these are some things that we're seeing you know that we would we would probably go after if we were playing against you guys like you know a little weakness here or maybe they liked what they saw here and it just basically just a way to shake it up mid-season to try to kind of just you know i think one of the key things is that you want to keep things interesting you know i think it just like today we're, we're at the yeah. star they're practicing inside and when you're walking on on the main concourse inside the star where all the concession stands are, there are these tables set up there now, and that's where they're moving some of their meeting rooms that are into that into that area because they need to space guys out even more to where instead of it being in a normal setting where you might have two or three guys at a table, it's one guy per table. So this thing goes back far, and then it's just got TVs at every stop so that basically you have this long hallway of just tables going down it so everybody's spaced out. So... They're doing different things because of these protocols and stuff like that. But what it all comes down to is with coaching, you have to find ways to get your message across quick because you're going to lose these guys. It can't be the it can't be the high school class that we've all had where you're just in there falling asleep because you're 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 getting you have a boring teacher that's telling you about some you know World War One thing that you don't understand and and they're not really conveying the message to you and you're kind of falling asleep. You got to keep it quick and you got to keep going. And they're trying to find different ways to, you know, kind of keep the guys engaged. And I think that that's an issue. And the reason I bring this up is because this is where it's going right now with the new COVID protocols. I think that's an issue for teams when you're just doing these Zoom calls. It's easy to lose guys if you're not quickly, like, kind of moving from topic to topic and keeping their interest. It's it's hard to convey the same message as it is in person. Have y'all seen any footage of some of those? Like, obviously, we saw a little bit of hard knocks, is where I guess where I saw it. Uh, Sean McVay's having a big meeting at training camp, and he's got, you know, 60 guys on Zoom. And man, there's like three of, three of them are just like making eye contact and looking into the screen. Everyone else is looking around or looking off to the side. It was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be very difficult to get everyone rowing in the right direction when you're not talking to them. But another thing I would say is if there are culture questions, and I don't know if there are or not, 
uh, it's got to be good in a short offseason to have new coaches uh, interacting with new position groups. So I, I think that's a good deal. Um, did you guys watch uh, the Bears and the Vikings on a Monday night? Absolutely. What did you guys think about that Vikings performance on Monday? I mean, it, it, it's a mixed bag because it's the Bears on the other side. So I don't – I mean, <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, like I don't know yeah, – I, I don't know – how much to make of that, but uh, you know, I still, I still think the Cowboys are probably going to lose the game against Minnesota, no matter, you know, no matter what happens, because they're just that bad. Delvin Cook averaging three, a little over three yards per carry against the Bears. Like, I don't know. Like watching that, you're just like, I don't think that's going to happen against the Cowboys at all. Like, I think he's going to probably average yep. five or six yards per carry against the Cowboys. So it's hard to take too much away from it. I know this on on Monday during the day. Uh, the Cowboys kind of had like a walkthrough practice. That was Andy Dalton's first day back, you know, after getting cleared from the concussion COVID protocol and that. Um, and so that was his first day back practice. And they, they did some practice stuff earlier in the day, specifically because Mike McCarthy wanted the players to be able to watch Monday night football and, and, and watch the Vikings. So I thought that was kind of interesting because you know how teams get when they talk about this stuff, they'll be like, we'll watch the film cutups. We don't care about the TV copy, but Mike McCarthy said he wanted his guys to be watching that game. So that's my biggest takeaway. Cause I really feel like it, if you had to break it down to one thing, tell me what Del- Delvin cook does in the game. And I'll tell you how the game goes. And right now I think Delvin cook goes for a buck 50 against them. And the Vikings win by at least two touchdowns. Yeah, I agree. Now there has been a little scuttlebutt that they're going to try to lessen his load. Uh, moving forward, just to make sure that he stays oh, healthy. I, because... I didn't say he's gonna have. It's gonna be a buck fifty and a lot of carries. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm messing with. I'm messing. I'm messing with you. I'm messing. <laughs> oh, no, no, I think you meant it. <laughs> uh, actually, I what you said is not not a you know uh, an incorrect thing to say. Like it's um, you know look at Dalvin Cook. Guy torched Green Bay and then he torched uh, Detroit the other day too. Like. Um, the thing about him, though, is like they were talking about getting Alex Madison involved. Dude, Alex Madison is an excellent running back, too. So it ain't like, you know, once he's out of the game, everything's all good. And then you're seeing rookie Justin Jefferson come on strong. He's really filled that Stephon Diggs role nicely. Thielen's starting to wake up, and they've won four straight. Or, I mean, three straight. They're trying to win four straight. Um, but, you know, those three wins, you know, the Green Bay game, they out-physicaled Green Bay. Green Bay doesn't look like a team that wants to stop the run. They don't look like a team, especially when they're playing in the cold, does not look like a team that wants to like really tackle or play hard uh, defensively when it comes to stopping the run. You can out-physical Green Bay. Jacksonville did it to Green Bay the other day. You start beating Detroit, Chicago, that's not terribly impressive. But, you know, that that's, uh, game at Seattle was a close game early in the season. Uh, they had a close game against the Titans. Uh, who are, you know, a, a playoff team, most likely. Like, I still think this Viking team, despite their record, and despite how ugly it was looking when they were 2-5, and five, I still think we're talking about a team who can go beat almost anyone on any given day because of the weapons on offense. Yeah, and I think with them losing Stefan Diggs, I think some people think that, you know, they're just going to be running and playing defense in that, because that's what they're known for under Mike Zimmer, and, and I get that, yeah. but they still have enough weapons there. Uh, if Kirk Cousins plays well, then you have to deal with him too. I mean, that's the thing. Kirk Cousins, you, there's some games where obviously Cowboys fans saw in Washington where he can he can be very good, and there's other games where you're just like, 
Oh, yeah, that's why they never gave him a long-term contract and kept franchise tagging him, because they didn't really know for sure if he was the guy or not. So, I mean, there's there's definitely there's two sides to that. I just keep going back to the Delvin Cook thing, because I think that that's a pretty consistent, that he's going to be he's going to cause you fits regardless if you have good run defense or you're one of the historically worst run defenses in NFL history. He's a little bit more of a certain as whereas Kirk Cousins, he could throw three picks or he could throw three touchdowns. Yeah, but I think Dalvin Cook, at the end of the day, at the end of Sunday, I think either Dalvin Cook is going to have a career day or Justin Jefferson in his short career is going to have just an absolute bonkers day. So, um, you know, I, well, I agree with John. You never know what kind of Kirk you're going to get, but if you can get Kirk Cousins um, outside of primetime, uh, it's worse for you because, you know, Kirk Cousins in primetime, he's not all that. So the Cowboys Cowboys are going to have a stacked deck up against them. My favorite nah. thing about Kirk Cousins is when him and Adam Thielen get into it on the sidelines. I always, <laughs> I, I always enjoy that. Absolutely. So well, maybe we'll get to see some of that. It's less off, often. It was worse last year because Stephon Diggs and Thielen would be like, you both going in on him. I think Justin Jefferson, because he's a rookie, is like, you know what? I'm, I probably don't need to start yelling at him yet. One of my favorite things ever posted was on TikTok. When, uh, and I, I'm, you won't ever hear me say that statement uh, very often. <laughs> but I saw it on Save Twitter. Save that cut. I saw it on Twitter before Twitter added the fleets. and um, But it's uh, back in the summer – Vikings, you know, social media is trying to get some interaction going. And so on the TikTok, there's two screens and it's like Kirk Cousins in practice and shorts. And he's like, just throwing it. And it's like, you can run your own route with Kirk Cousins. And one guy is running and he gets his friend to throw the ball like way over the house, like way overthrow him. And it shows it. So you have Kirk Cousins dropping back to pass. He follows through. And then on the other screen, you got a guy running a route. The football just goes all the way over the house. It's so great. They're just killing the guy. That it's backfired so big time on them, I bet. <laughs> it's so funny, man. Did y'all know that Kirk Cousins was like a singer? Have y'all seen the videos? I saw that him? video yeah. going around. Yes, I did. Where he's like, a, it's like a high school play or something like that. Yeah. We're going to have to pull some odd. of that audio. If uh, the Cowboys win, we'll pull some of that audio and make fun of Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll email that to you, Kent. Um, what is that from so- high school? Yeah, so basically, I guess it's clips from him in high school and college, but he's doing, um, he was doing Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, Oh, What a Beautiful Day. I don't know what the name of that song is. And then he was doing Pretty Woman with these guys. So he's like a, he's, he's an acapella group. He could have been in the Tone Rangers. Um, all right, so before we get to our predictions. One other thing uh, about Kirk Cousins that's oh, yeah. kind of interesting too. Uh, that Mich- One of the Michigan State teams he was on, the quarterbacks were – him, Brian Hoyer, and uh, Nick Foles. So that's pretty. That's pretty elite quarterback play for Michigan State to have those three guys on, on the team at one time. So, well, you know, Dak is. You know, the, he could go in the in the history books in the same, you know, paragraph as Kirk Cousins if the Cowboys don't get a deal done with Dak in the offseason because yeah. he is legitimately the only one that teams are messing around with at quarterback, saying, you know what, we're going to push it down the road, and then you can go get with someone else. Like you don't see that with anyone else, and haven't seen that with anyone else yet. And he's made a lot of money doing it. <laughs> made, yeah, and absolutely. I think that's part of why Dak's like, well, if they're not gonna give me what I want, I'll just do the Kirk Cousins thing and make a lot of money, and I'll still have a job because I'm Dak and I'm good. Kent, you said you had a little something silly for us. Uh, do you got that ready to go here? I do, but I wanted to ask you guys about a oh, yeah. story that broke today. Oh yes, that was causing a lot of uproar on Twitter. It involves the Cowboys. 
in in a uh, maybe indirect way. Are you talking about Clay Thompson getting hurt? Sorry, no, I'm sorry, no, this, no. that's terrible. Who's Clay? Who's sorry. that? Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, we've got uh, some drama in New York. Apparently, uh, Mark Colombo, former Cowboys O line coach, getting a little uh, tussle with uh, Joe Judge up there and got let go. There's rumors that some f- fists were flying. That was quickly denied by <laughs> by people. I mean, who's going to admit that? Uh, you know, I mean, maybe that did happen, but who's going to come out and be like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, punch him in the face. I guess we'll see if Joe judges a press conference. If he's got a black eye or something, we'll know what <laughs> what really happened. But what do you guys make of, uh, of this drama? I'm sure Garrett vouched for Colombo bringing him in and all that. So it, it sucks for that to have fallen apart so quickly. Great for the Cowboys. Sucks for them. My first thought was... Uh... Joe Judge seems like he's a really hardcore dude, and uh, I could see them going back and forth. But I also think if it did get to fists, that that would be extremely stupid for Joe Judge. Like that's not a good fight. You want to fight somebody that's closer in your size. I think um, Mark Colombo would annihilate him. But hey, I wasn't there. I don't know. But uh, I I could see it getting heated. I'm sure there was some pushing or something like that. I'm sure some people had to get in between them and things like that. I don't know that there was punches thrown, but I, you know, I don't know that because he got let go, everybody knows about it where let's not act like this stuff probably doesn't happen from time to time on coaching staffs anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like they're pretty competitive guys, especially former players like that, especially on teams that aren't playing that well. I'm sure there was plenty of times where things like this have happened that are similar. My second thought was that immediately went to Jason Garrett. And that's the fact that he did no question vouch for Colombo. And I I just made me think like, Oh my God, was Garrett there? Did he try to break this up? Like, or was he like beat his ass, Mark? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) But um, I I immediately went to Garrett because I was like, there's no way that he didn't have feelings about this, whether it was, he just, I don't think he wanted to see his buddy. I mean, because Jason Garrett's just, always spoke so highly of Mark Colombo as a coach. I mean, Jason Garrett went out of his way when Mark Colombo was doing the whole band thing with it, with his uh, hard rock band, or it's not even hard rock. It's like, it's like really hardcore, oh like God, metal. It's like metal band. Yeah. yeah metal. Who else was in it? Uh, Montre Holland or somebody like, yeah. There were a couple so, linemen in it. Yeah. And so Garrett had, had talked to him while he was doing it. He was like, all right, well, when you're done doing this stuff, like you have a future in coaching, like you have to come back and coach. And so Garrett is, is, has played a role in him getting back into coaching. So I'm sure, I'm sure Jason Garrett wasn't happy to, you know, hear that, that, that this happened or see it happen if he was there. Uh, but yeah, it's always entertaining, especially when someone says that there were punches thrown, but then as, as the more news came out, the less likely it sounded like that really did happen. There's no chance at all. They're doing an all or nothing this year on the New York giants is there. No. Oh, that would have <laughs> been great. Somebody been awesome. somehow that, uh, yeah, makes it out. Well, but they, yeah, no, they did. They did fire Paul Alexander for uh, for Mark Colombo, you know. So yeah, that, that certainly had the confidence there. I'll, maybe you know the story that got out there is what they said happened was that um, Judge called out a lineman in a meeting, and Colombo defended him, and then he called. There was some words exchanged. Colombo used a, a a word that you probably shouldn't use to the head coach and was fired. That's what the official story yeah. is, but who knows? Dan, yeah, Dan Duggan uh, over at The Athletic, mm. of course, has a good good write-up on it. Uh, if it's Duggan, I apologize. It's Duggan. Uh, and then uh, Kim Jones of the, the NFL Network, too, her report said that uh, Colombo called Judge one of the worst words in the English language. 
All right, what, then, what could that be? Let's just let's stop right there and let's figure that out. We don't have to say it, <laughs> but let's just yes. come up with what we think it might be. Like, what's the worst word? I know what it Adam, is. Adam but, Gase. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a C no, word. Uh, I mean, Cowboys. I just kidding. Yeah, and giant and football giant then. But also, she had in parentheses shout out to someone who told me before the season this wouldn't work out. Dude, every uh, uh, there could be personal uh, thing. I, yeah, well, I shouldn't say everyone. I don't know a single person who did not like and respect Mark Colombo here. I will say this, you know, Boston guy, you know, get a little heated. <laughs> yeah, so you get a little offended that uh, Joe Judge starts working with the offense, offensive line a little more, maybe. Maybe edging you out, oboing well, you. Well, no, he brought way. in an assistant that was going to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But before that happened, though, Joe Judge was still spending more time with the offensive line. Mm. At least is what I read. And then over the last three games, though, they had over 150 rushing yards. So you probably yeah, got a but, little, you know. Yeah, but inside. also the guy, the guy they brought in was was the other finalist for the offensive line coach. So I mean. You know, th- there has to be some just like spike there for Mark Colombo being like, you know, it was between Mark Colombo and this guy who, who you know, has kind of a hard name to pronounce. But, you know, it was between him and Mark Colombo. And like you guys said, I'm sure Jason Garrett was like probably the tiebreaker and being like, hey, give it to Mark. Things aren't working out. Then you bring in the guy. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Mark Colombo felt a little threatened and things like that in terms of his job security. And uh, probably didn't appreciate that, so I think I think that's probably w- what it stems from. Garrett said, "I'm not coming unless I get to bring Colombo with me." And Judge is like, "We'll give it ten weeks." Uh, <laughs> Mark Colombo hasn't had Saquon Barkley all year. I mean, throw the guy a freaking bone here. I mean, I'm going in a new dude. situation with nothing to work with, and you know, well, they the did give him the, the fourth I mean, overall pick, and, and the fourth overall pick hasn't played very well. I think that probably factored in a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Andrew uh, Andrew Thomas came from from yeah. Georgia. I think is that right? Georgia. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, but when <laughs> when I was really trying to guess, like, what did he say to him? And I was just like, what if he was like, he was just <laughs> talking smack to him about like, hey, hey, Colombo, uh, we understand it was real easy to work with Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and Lyle Collins, but uh, okay, you got to develop something over here. Like, what if he was taking shots at him? Like, I know you thought you were such a good offensive line coach over there with three Hall of Famers, but uh, it's a little <laughs> bit different over here. Hey, shut up, Judge that. Judy. Yeah, come over. You won't say it to my face. I bet I will. I bet you won't. Gosh. And then, Crazy. And then swear words that I can't say right now. Yes. And then Garrett's in there, and he's in the background going, Hey, guys, Beat please. Beat stop, his ass. Stop, stop doing this. Stop, Beat his stop ass, fighting. Mark. We don't want to. We don't want to fight. Beat his ass, Mark. Well, yeah, crazy I'll times. Take over. We'll have to see what happens there <laughs> in the <laughs> NFC East. Man, things are falling apart in the division. Maybe we'll get into that next week around this well, time. And, and I'm um, interested in how the Joe Judge experiment works out because, like, I give a lot of credit so far from what we've seen. I give a lot of credit to Bill Belichick because this guy has come up with a recipe that other teams have literally tried to steal all of his people to use his recipe, and it doesn't even work for them with anybody else. I mean, like, the Lions gutted their entire front office, I mean, their entire football side and the coaching staff to bring in all these Belichick Patriots guys, and it's been a huge disaster. And that's the thing, like, Joe Judge is going about this very similar to the way Matt Patricia went about it in Detroit, where it's like, okay, if you're not part of this Patriot way, then you're out of here. And it's like, 
okay, but this isn't college. Like, you're only going to get a couple years, and if these guys don't buy in, you're going to be out of a job too. So it's like it's just really hard to set that foundation. It hasn't really worked for anybody else. The only one that we got still kind of hanging around is is Mike Vrabel, and who knows how much longer that lasts for. Uh, Brian uh, we'll Flores. Say Brian Flores. Yeah, Brian Flores is doing a good job. And, I, and but I don't know if being, he's come in there and been done the hard ass. Hey, this is going to be the way it is. We're doing old school football, right? Uh, right. You know, and done all that. I don't know if if they've all gone about it the same way. I, but Patricia, the way he's gone about it, that's the way it sounds like Joe Judge is going about it. Yeah, and Bill O'Brien tried to do the same thing, right. and that did not work out. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man, it's crazy, crazy around the division. But like I said, we should dive into that at some point because, man, Philadelphia yeah. is insane right now. Who knows what's going to happen with Washington? Maybe they end up streaking and winning this division with Alex Smith. Who knows? They played, they lost, you know, by a field goal, uh, last second field goal last week. So we'll see there. But yeah, let's get a little weird here before we hit our picks, fellas. I heard this, I heard this um, hypothetical brought up on local sports radio earlier this week. It wasn't really explored much. So kind of want to explore it here, get, get an answer from each of you. And this is a crazy hypothetical. You have to pick one former cowboy to suit up this weekend. Deion Sanders. Sorry. Who's it going to be? Go What's up? Like in their right prime. Now. No, right now. Oh, right now. Oh, well, that's right now. Fun. Yeah, right now. Who no, who could I mean, who I, could who could walk on and, and contribute right now to this team? Former. Right, well, former everybody cowboy. answer that, but then also answer it with somebody in their prime. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, in their prime. Okay. I'm gonna go with Deion Sanders. 100%. Right it's, now, it's the absolute only right answer, but continue. Right now, I'm going to go with Deion Sanders. It's the only right answer? For me, I, I, would... I personally think, yeah, it is for today's football, yeah. Oh, well, actually, are we considering Dak Are we considering Dak being hurt? Yeah, I would say quarterback, right? Quarterback, that's a good one. That's a good one. But right now, Troy Aikman, no. I don't, I don't know. Not today's NFL. Um, think about wide receiver. I mean, Michael Irvin's in great shape. I mean, Terrell Owens, great shape. Tony Romo? I don't know. No. Tony Romo? <laughs> I, I, that's the obvious one. That's I mean, honestly. One. It's not happening. I know it's not happening. No, no, it's no. I'm talking like literally it wouldn't be able to go out there with how bad his back is. Like I'm oh, talking yeah, like yeah. at least Deion Sanders would be able time. to go out there. Some people would run past him. They'd be like, ha-ha, this is funny, and then everybody leaves. But I'm talking Tony would go out there, and I think that on the very first play, he could get severely injured. So I'm talking like that's not even – I, that shouldn't. I mean, you're you should bring out Charles Haley before you bring out Tony Romo. Like, it's not a good idea. Like, he's got to have like things done to his back just so he can play golf every day. Much less to take. Like, I'm saying, if he even took like a regular hit, like after he released the ball, he could be in like a lot of trouble. Witten has ten catches for 56 yards. He's still in the NFL. <laughs> he's still in the oh. league. What you think? Uh, think Demarcus so Ware could by- get you four sacks in 16 games? No, but he's a good one. That's a good. That's a good one. Demarcus Ware. Okay, so I, I said Deion Sanders is the only right answer. I'll say Deion Sanders or Demarcus Ware. Those are those are two good ones. I get uh, Travis two. Frederick. Oh, oh, yeah. We, I think have, I'd go we with have a winner. Yeah, I think we I'll have go a Travis winner. Frederick. That's a good one. Yeah, that's the winner. Does yeah. Gavin Escobar do anything? Hold up! For hold, you up guys? hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! <laughs> hold up! Was but Never is did. Travis is Travis even better than Joe Looney? I know, he made, I know he made the Pro Bowl last year, but like, no. if you go off of what how he played last year, I don't even know. Like, he, he certainly wasn't the guy that we saw before Guillain-Barre. Travis is uh, 
like losing weight and stuff. So like, he says, <laughs> he'd have to get back to playing weight, you know? Uh, yeah, I think he's really enjoying his time. He's uh, actually starting a, a, a Dungeons and Dragons uh, business. He's got a... Yeah, he's got a little, he's got a little business that he started with a friend called demiplane.com. Uh, and it's like basically uh role playing tabletop games. Um I mean huge Dungeons and Dragons fan Travis is. Uh, but basically it's a it's a matchmaking service, not like dating matchmaking but matchmaking in terms of playing games with people across the globe like if you're an avid Dungeons and Dragons player, you can play with someone else who might be at your skill level if you go to demiplane.com. I'm mm. telling you, dude, Travis is, and that's that's a passion of his. I'm not saying he didn't wasn't passionate about playing football. I think we know he loved the game and and loved competing, but Dungeons and Dragons is his life. Uh, so I just know that because he comes on our uh, our show, the Ben and Skin Show, uh, every Wednesday. That's crazy. Is it like online? Is it online cards or is it like real cards? Uh, yeah, no, it's on, it's on it's online cards. Basically, they have a game master. So oh, they yeah, have all yeah, these yeah. game masters that'll lead you through the Dungeons and Dragons games. I played with them one night and it was awesome. Um, but uh, there's a checking in with former Cowboys center Travis Frederick on the About Them Travis Cowboys Frederick, podcast. I would I would bet the farm that that guy is going to have more success after football than he did in football. <laughs> like he's going to have a Roger Staubach esque career. We're going to be hearing about that guy in 40 years, running companies and running for office and things like that. I mean, that guy's awesome. And Roger would be my pick for if we get the player in their prime right oh, now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I agree. Emmett Smith. Uh, I don't know, maybe. It, I don't Roger could go get you. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't know what Emmett's getting behind Terrence Steele, but I mean, we uh, to try. That's true. At least, that's I true. said Roger because at least I know he could run around a little bit. And you got to have a mobile quarterback with this offensive line. That's to the good. predictions. Yeah. Uh, our, our guest picks are 6 and 2 this year. Uh, uh, John and I are seven and two, and Kent is eight and one. So we will let Sod go first with the guest pick. Uh, who do you have winning on Sunday? Ooh, uh, I said before I got Minnesota winning. Uh, do you do you happen to know off the top of your head what the spread is? I think it started at eight, right? So um, I'm gonna go Minnesota by ten. Um, I'll say. The Vikings Dro- it's win. dropped to seven since it's at set. It's at seven now because I. Okay. Okay. Brandon um, Knight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> I'll go Vikings. Oh man, Vegas! Like a day. They got that. They got that, they got that one backup tackle back. So I think we better be careful here. They are America's team. They're running Dalton out there, it looks like. <laughs> Cheeto's back in the starting 14. lineup. Moving down <laughs> yeah. to seven. Sorry, Sai. We were rudely interrupted. Go ahead. No, okay. Vikings 24 to 14. I got Vikings 27 to 13. Um, let's go to John. I'll go uh, Vikings 28 to 14. Wow. All right. All right. Um, we haven't talked about. Mike Zimmer at all this episode. Um, but man, what a great coach and what a great job he's, he's done there. You know, I, you root for the guy, obviously he started his NFL career in Dallas under Switzer and, and, uh, learned under Parcells and all that. And that's a guy that you wish Jerry had had held on to long-term. You wish he was the Jason Garrett 
instead of Jason Garrett. But um, yeah, but but would Mike Zimmer be Mike Zimmer if he was under Jerry Jones? No, I don't know. Maybe those years in Cincinnati and and you know that year in Atlanta did him some good and prepared him a little bit more to be a head coach. But um, you know, I, I I put him in the Sean Payton category of the ones that got away. And um, yeah, what man, a, what a great coach he is. Um, so you root for the guy. And guys, I don't want to have to make another episode of Too Many Cooks for Sunday. I will. I'll stay up and edit one, but I, I think I'm going to have to. I think Dalvin Cook's going to have a day against this against this team he did last year, and uh, this defense was better last year. And um, yeah, he torched them, torched them. So I, I imagine Dalvin Cook's going to have a two touchdown performance, probably something like that. Um, I don't think Andy Dalton is going to come back and mysteriously be this great player the, the guy that we thought we were going to get um i think he might be able to drive the bus a little bit but i don't imagine a lot of big plays so i'm going to go similar to john and go 28 10 Cal- um vikings 28 10 yeah you know i'll be quick here i don't want to go too far into this uh but you were mentioning guys who got away there's a story on the athletic and i apologize for not knowing who wrote it off the top of my head but it just oh, came zach up. zach kiefer uh, yeah, the, the story Eberflus. on that yep. about yep. Eberflus, yeah, who that's a great one. I always thought was an outstanding coach here and hated to see him go. Um, thought he could have been the future defensive coordinator, you mm. know, and uh, I know the Cowboys, you know, at a time were considering maybe doing that. So, uh, yeah, kind of put that in, in the guys who got away list as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So there it is. But hey, that over is- the last 10 years, I really got to be honest, but real quick for the being the Dallas Cowboys. There should be a lot more. Sorry, but it's just a fact. Yeah, no, absolutely. There should be more coaches over those last 10 years that have been assistants that have gone on to have had success in the NFL or college or something. There haven't been nearly enough. Matt Eberflus is obviously one of them, but he's one of very few. So I want to, first of all, thank you guys. Thank you, Saad, for joining us again as well. Um, Make sure that you're dialed into The Athletic because we've got NBA draft action happening this week as well. Uh, you know, outside of John and Sod and Bob Sturm's Cowboys articles, Tim Cato's on the Mavs beat. Sod's probably doing stuff on the Mavs beat. Also, congratulations to Sean Shapiro uh, as he and his wife welcomed in a baby boy, Dean uh, Chamberlain Shapiro, yesterday. So uh, congrats to those guys. And obviously, uh, keep following Sean and all of his work on The Athletic locally as the Stars will get things moving uh, pretty soon as well. Um, so there's a lot of action uh that not to miss here um so uh please uh like share retweet subscribe you know just tell a friend you know spread the love you know that's what we like to do here on about them cowboys we will talk to you after the cowboys and vikings 325 showdown at a uh, a 30 percent full uh you know at&t stadium uh for father john bashota for Saad yusuf for our producer Kent Garrison and Kevin KT Turner. We'll see if we can get one. See if we can get that get up there in first place. Actually, technically, we couldn't be first place. Let's see if we can get a win here. I know, I know, a lot of you don't want it. Let's see if we can get a win. Another episode of About the Cowboys. Y'all stay Corona free, all right? And God bless.